Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia, talking the latest with you in sports, in fantasy, in wagering. Good to have you aboard here for the next couple of hours. Sit back, relax, however you're watching the show. Hopefully you enjoy it. Of course, we have Joe Pizzapia on Twitter, at Joe Pizzapia 17 You have me on Twitter, at Craig Mish. And most importantly, you follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid. That's the best way to get us. We stream our shows every single day, live, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right there. That's where you can catch us. Just talking nonsense, especially for the last couple of months, which is what we are going to continue to do today. But let me not drive you away from the show. Let me bring you in. We've got a lot to cover here on the show today. We've got this day in fantasy sports. We've got our fantasy sports birthdays. We've got some other hot topics, including some odds that potentially may look a little dicey, I think, in the NFL for the upcoming season. And of course, the latest what's happening in the world. Joe, what's going on in your world today? Good to see you again. Yes, sir. It's always good to uh, get back here and see you every morning. And nobody talks nonsense quite like us. That's what makes us so special. And might I also add, you don't have to sit back and relax. If you want to work out to us, you can. You can do some push-ups or some crunches or some squats. I, I think everyone is doing that to, to us. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we're that mid-afternoon, late morning, early afternoon in the West Coast. Or when you first get up, you work out. To Mission Pizza P on Fantasy Sports today, you get your knowledge, you get your health stuff ready to go, you get ready for the day, and then the rest of the day is all downhill after that. You know, what's interesting is without getting into too many details, I work out actually to our show. People may not know what that means. Don't even worry about it. Just pretend like I never said it. But that is the truth. The last half hour of our show, I uh, I work out to it. So what does that mean exactly? Well, that's a secret for us behind the scenes at Sports Grid, which maybe at a further date we will tell you. Um, <laughs> got a lot to get to here on today's show. Let's uh, let's start off with just the latest in the coming back in sports, and uh, you know, of course, we have a little bit of baseball. We have uh, one story with the NFL, but this is really interesting because for the first time I think ever, next month we're going to have the Belmont Stakes run before the Preakness and before the Kentucky Derby. So it is certainly a good sign that the Belmont wants to run. Clearly there will be no fans in Elmont, New York this year, but that is a huge deal. I think for all of the community, not just the uh, racing community, but also of course the betting community too, because that's a race that's going to be on everybody's mind. And I know I understand that not everybody is into horse racing. And from a wagering perspective, what's kind of happened, it's, it's kind of funny is that because a lot hasn't been going on, you have the average person who is considering wagering on sports. All of a sudden, they're looking at the the score sheet and they're looking at the horses every single day. And, and look, I understand people need to get their fix. It's entertainment. But the Belmont is certainly no joke. And I think that it's going to be interesting, too, because they're going to actually shorten the race a little bit as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I picked this up somewhere at some point. There's different surfaces or different length of the track for these three races That's in the correct. Triple Crown. Correct. OK, so. Which one is the Belmont of these? This is one of the, the shorter ones. One. It's the, the longest, longest one. So now the longest one's first, and the longest one used to be in what order? It used to be the third one you're talking, or this Correct. used to be the second? Okay, so here's a question. Why wouldn't they do the longest one first all the time? Uh, because it's the most challenging. It's the, that's the, it's the hardest to win all three races. So I see. They usually, the Kentucky Derby is the one 
that all of the horses are going to race in, okay, no matter what. What happens is, is that naturally some horses that don't fare well in the Kentucky Derby, they just completely drop out because they know that the Belmont is coming and those horses are not meant for that. Sometimes I horses see. will only race in all three if they think they have a shot to win the Triple Crown. And the other part of it is, is that not only is the third race very challenging for the horses, if you are a trainer of a horse that you think is pretty good but had a bad day at the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness, why would you put your horse up in the third race to not finish well? Remember, there's a lot of money after, in fact, more money after these horses are done racing than when they actually are racing. If, you know, when, as you know, they are put to stud at the end of their careers. They have that's what's going to happen to us at the end of our careers, God willing. We are going to do that. So that's, that's part of the reasoning why. Uh, it's a challenging one. It's very hard to win all three. That's why you've seen in the past a lot of horses win the Derby and then win the Preakness and fail to win right. the Belmont because that some horses be just come one. out of okay. nowhere. But the best horses do not race in the Belmont, and they're going to have to this year. Ah, so there you go. So that's kind of fascinating. So I wonder if that's going to create a bigger divide, you know, in terms of the winners and losers, too. I mean, if, if certain horses aren't even geared up for this length of a race, that could be a fascinating thing because you might have well, they, three well, like horses said, fall behind. You might have half though. the field. They shorten the race. By how much? So, uh, not uh, significant enough where it's similar now to Kentucky Derby. Oh, okay. So now basically you're going to – well, that could change things too now dramatically also for a triple crown, right? Because now if you have three races that are kind of the same, that favors horses that run the same type of race as opposed to the horse that's all-purpose, I guess, so to speak. So this is this is more than I've ever talked about horse racing in my entire life. And we can tell. And thank you for imparting your knowledge to me, Craig Mish. I appreciate it. I, I think that the perspective – that is possible for this is that a lot of the horses that would not have run in the Belmont are going to, but at the same time, I'm not sure if all of these same horses are basically forced to run because they're all going to want to run in the Kentucky Derby, no matter what. So the Preakness <laughs> essentially is going to be the race this year. That's going to take the hit as far as having the best horses race. I think that's probably the best. Now, I, I don't know what the horse schedule has been. I don't know how many trainers are changing their opinion this year because of the lack of racing that there was for about a month. Uh, but my guess is if there is one race to take the hit this year, it is the Preakness. Because if your horse doesn't fare well in the Belmont, then essentially you would, uh, you'd you have to consider dropping out of the Preakness. So it just, uh, and, and look, maybe they change this forever. Maybe, maybe this is the way it starts. Maybe it's always Belmont, Preakness, Kentucky Derby, and you have to win the Derby in the end. Strange things will make you change. And in this case, I think that's definitely one thing that's going to make people change. Uh, we mentioned yesterday on the show, today their their Marlins uh, worked out a little bit in Jupiter. Some of their players were there. Uh, the video looks like it was shot like uh, like from a drone. I mean, I don't even know what was going on. But, uh, I, I didn't think that, I didn't really, I, I thought about, I was like, ah, is this the kind of thing I'm going to go up there for and put my phone camera? I'm not going to do that. But a uh, local station here, WPLG, uh, got video in between a gate of, of a couple of guys throwing. We'll see. Uh, on the baseball front, I can tell you that if you saw some of the reporting yesterday, there is not uh, the amount of optimism that you would like to see at this point in order to get things done. Essentially, John Heyman yesterday reported that, and it's not surprising to me because this is what I've heard, that the players basically are standing firm with uh, taking a prorated salary. The owners are at this point saying, you're definitely not getting a prorated salary and the players don't want to put themselves at risk. And so I hope I hope this will all get sorted out, but we have not made a lot of progress on that front today. No, I would, I always like to be positive because I always feel like 
at the end of the day, some money's better than no money. So I would imagine if you're a player that you'd like to get some sort of paycheck. Well, they are no matter what. They are no matter what, even if they don't play. That's true. So if they're getting a paycheck no matter what. They did a deal. Well, then if you do that deal, then I guess we're moving closer to the no baseball side of the meter. If you ask me today, based on what you just told me, then I would imagine we're more on the other side, which would be, I think, bad for the country. I really do. I think America needs baseball right now. And uh, I I saw the plan for the testing. I saw the plan for the... um, It does not look easy. It looks very difficult. It does look very difficult, but everything is difficult when it's new and different. And there's also no reason not to believe that at a certain point, things could get better and we could gain a better situation uh, with all of this too as the summer drags on and more people and, have been and exposed And that is to what, it. by the way, the owners are telling the players at this point. The owners are, think, saying yeah. to the, are saying to the players, look, if you're uncomfortable playing and you want to make your full salary, then let's do this. Let's talk in another month. Forget June. Let's just talk it and let's see where we are in another month. Because maybe in another month, we have the possibility of bringing back fans. That brings the possibility back of revenue. That brings the possibility of paying the players what they want to play. Essentially, the owners are saying, unless there are fans in the stands, they are not going to pay them their prorated salary. What does that mean? It does push us closer to the edge of not having it at all. But I wouldn't say it's a complete deal breaker. It just would mean that, uh, that the players are saying, hey, look, when when there's fans, then we'll come back. And, and you know what? Mm. Not an unreasonable ask. It, no. it may be uh, it may be a, a season where you know maybe spring training doesn't start now until July. I mean maybe that's what it is. And then they I don't start. Know if it's an play. unreasonable ask, but I mean at a certain point, when does it become an unattainable one? When, when does it to become too We're much? We're close to the end. Uh, look, I, to me, if you don't get at least this ball rolling here by June then you become in a very difficult situation. Then I think you really basically, I think America will automatically turn the page and all their focus to football. And I guarantee you, whether there's a person in the crowd or not, or if they have to hold these games on Jupiter or Mars or wherever, the NFL is going to find a way to play games somewhere, somehow, because it's the NFL. And once again, baseball will be kind of pushed aside. So baseball has an opportunity here in this vacuum. And if the owners have to take a hit or the players have to hit or everybody takes a hit at some point in time, take a hit together for the greater good and go out there. And if you can, and if it's safe play, and if they've deemed that it's not safe and it seems well, like I think as, that's the majority of what the players are saying is if we're going to risk our safety, then we need to be paid what we're supposed to be paid. And you know what? It is a fair claim. It is a fair claim to me. The owners do not have to go on that field and put themselves and their families. I don't know, at risk. Craig, there's no price tag on my life. So if it's not safe, I'm not playing no matter how much money you give me. I don't know about you. Well, a player who has a very low risk of being 22 years old and and basically coming to the ballpark every day being quarantined with no family. What's he risking? He's risking his own life. But essentially, we've seen the numbers. We all know the small percentage, 1%, 2%, 3% of people who have serious issues when they're in their younger ages, in their 20s. Uh, regardless if they believe that or not, it is a fair statement to say, hey, I am the one that I ha- I'm 35 years old. I have two kids. I have a wife. I have elderly parents. If I'm going to play, I want to get paid what I'm supposed to be paid or I'm not going to put myself at risk. I don't blame well, them at I all. guess the power of unions, once again, is shown in this country. So if, for those people who don't think unions are a good thing, take a look at Major League Baseball. The power of a union, what you can get done and what you can achieve here. And a lot of people work without them. And a lot of people 
don't have the same kind of luxury and don't have benefits and don't have these other things and the perks that these players have. And yeah, these players have a very special skill, but you know, they're also at the end of the day, as we're learning, they're non-essential. So people will move on from baseball. And I think for the sport, for the greater longevity of the sport, I think if it's going to be a bad look for them, potentially if they get to June and July and things have really loosened up and they were haggling about money and never got a deal done. I think it would be uh, very detrimental to the long-term projectability of the success of baseball. That's yeah. just me. It's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, sure. Listen, you're entitled to it. I don't think it's going to change at all. I think baseball is where it is. It's not going up. It's not going down. It's going to always stay the same. Um, and and unfortunately, they've lost so much of the season, and they're going to continue to lose that much of the season. I hope they come back, and certainly for my livelihood, I hope they play. But I'm also of the opinion of – of talking to people in the industry and I do see the player side on this one. I do. I, I understand it. I get it. And, um, you know, I, I, if I was in their position being who I am, having kids and everything like that, I wouldn't want to do it at all. But if I did, I wanted to make sure that I'm compensated for it. I'm not doing it for anybody else except for me and my family. Uh, we'll be back with more fantasy sports today, this day in fantasy sports history and fantasy sports birthdays next on sports. Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's the 20th of May, 2020, and we got a lot going on here in our sports world. In fact, before we get to this day in fantasy sports history, interesting note here. Uh, yesterday, Joe, I mentioned the Marlins got themselves back on the field. Looks like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are having some uh, little, I guess, unaffiliated workouts with players as well. The state of Florida. You just, you know, things just happen here. Anything goes by you, my friend. It's there's no it. laws. It's it's like Florida, Mexico. You just feel like anything goes in those kind of places. But uh, Tom Brady is one that likes to have those offseason workouts with his wide receivers, especially in a whole new environment with a whole new group of guys. I mean, that's definitely one of the teams that I would not be surprised of them getting out there ahead of things. And sure enough, there they are. So, um, I, I mean, if you're the if you're the players and, and this is the thing I don't get, you know, I don't want to go back too far in the last thing. But why are the players even at the complex right now, then, if they're still in the negotiations and everything seems like it's doomsday, potentially or or a stalemate at the very least. Apartment. So they just want to go out, just want to get out of their house, basically. Right. A lot of the That's guys a- there live in apartments. The ones who have access to cages and mounds in mm-hmm. Miami are not going. Gotcha. There you go. Well, there's a good answer. See, and that's why you're the insider, Craig Mish. There you go. For most Possible people, they, for, for, for most, they are, they you know, they don't need to go there. They could just go and uh, locally they have fields and things. But a lot of these guys, <laughs> I mean, think about it, they're – Young, they haven't made a lot of money. They're put up in an apartment somewhere in Miami by the team, and they can't throw, they can't hit, they can't do anything. So they got to go to Jupiter. I mean, there's just there's no shot. And by the way, the video that was posted, they all young kids that showed up mm-hmm. today. 
All right, uh, this day in fantasy sports, uh, birthdays, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, right now, let's do this day in fantasy sports. We'll start off with 1930. Why in the world did I include this? I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny. University of California dedicated a whopping $1,500 to athletes' foot care and <laughs> prevention. And if you look deeper into this, this was the beginning of uh, the spray for uh, athlete's foot and all of that stuff. But so um, tough actin, tenactin, is that what we're looking at? 1500 They just threw all their money at this thing to make it right. Well, I'm trying to think of what the equivalent 1930 is to $1,500. I don't know. I, I imagine it's more. I didn't realize there was such a foot fungus problem around the University of California. You'd think in California, the weather's good. Maybe you let the toes get out there and expose a little bit. I could see... You know, maybe in Minnesota, this being an issue or places like that where it's very cold and rainy and, and wintry a lot. I would think California would be less of an issue with this. But this is both the most fascinating and most bizarre fact that you put on this show sheet uh, in the history of it doing shows been. with you. It, it could yeah. very well be. But I get a new what? high I slash like low. I did it. I yeah. Do it. I'm, I'm glad that you did and still sorry Deep down inside have you ever had part. athlete's foot? No, I have not. Have you? Never have either. No. No, I, I, I don't. I, I imagine it's uncomfortable. I've had terrible blisters and stuff. I remember in my <clears throat> playing days back in the day, you know, getting all horrible like blisters and stuff from the cleats and things like that when you're wearing them like you know eight hours a day, ten hours a day kind of stuff. But like the athlete's foot. I don't know. Do you have any friends that need? I mean, I never heard anybody talk not about really. it. I, I think I think that it was at a time where technology did not have good socks and good shoes, you know, sneakers. Ah, you know? maybe the it's, footwear. I, I, you just don't hear about athletes' foot that often right now. Or soap. You? No, no, I don't think so. But I mean, I guess it's still a thing. Otherwise, they wouldn't have all those sprays and we go to CVS or whatever, right? Yeah, I think that they have it now. So I think that's the bottom line. Yeah, I'm trying to look here and see. No, I, I don't know anyone with athlete's foot. I just think. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, 1983, uh, Larry Holmes beats Tim Witherspoon to retain the WBC title. Larry Holmes, I would say, uh, was a great fighter. He's a Hall of Famer. But he also was in that pre-Tyson era, pre-Holyfield era, pre-Lennox Lewis era, post-Ali era, mm -hmm. where he doesn't ever get the credit that he probably was due because he was the best for about five years. But unfortunately, he came in fought Ali at the very end of Ali's very career, end. never should have been fighting, and um, didn't really have many signature wins, but he was, you know, it's almost like like Holmes is around, uh, you know, when the Klitsch goes. It's kind of like the same thing. The Klitschko's never had anybody to fight, so mm -hmm. it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's difficult for Larry Holmes, too, never, like, the great body either. You know, when you think of Larry Holmes, you just kind of think of, like, a bigger yeah. guy who knew how to box, but he wasn't exactly... You know, it wasn't a guy you were putting on magazine covers, and it's very difficult to transition, I think, when you have a champion who's as charismatic as someone like Muhammad Ali, and he had the great bouts with Joe Frazier and Ken Norton and all those guys. And then Larry Holmes was that transition champion. You kind of see that in wrestling sometimes, too. But uh, in all that sense, you know, I think Michael Spinks kind of comes to name to, uh, to my mind of that era of fighters. And then, of course, you have Mike Tyson and... Then, of course, you have Vander Holyfield, and then it kind of picks up again. But, yeah, it was kind of uh, the mid-'80s there until Tyson really broke through, which I want to say was, what, like around 86, 87 probably for Mike Tyson? About, yeah. Somewhere in there. I, I'll tell you what, one of the most fun things you can watch is that Mike Tyson uh, knockouts video on YouTube where they put all the knockouts there like in a row. They just got to play those fights. It's not a very long video because they uh, some of the fights don't last very long, but it is incredible to watch that guy knock people out. Yeah. I mean, we'll never know about the competition 
that Tyson had to face because he was just so dominant during that time. Yeah. But certainly Riddick Bowe and uh, Razor Ruddock. I mean, there were a lot of really good fighters, but they just got derailed by him. Do you remember anyone being as intimidating as Mike Tyson was? In boxing? No, probably not. I don't know, in any sport. I mean, there was a factor where I feel like the presence of Mike Tyson, who was not a very big guy. I mean, Randy Johnson's the only guy that I think of as is just super intimidating to people because of his size and how left-handed hitters never even want to get in the batter's box against him. But Mike Tyson, the aura of Mike Tyson with the towel and the black trunks and no frills and no nonsense just coming out there, it was it was scary. It was like you were watching a horror film, and that's something that I've never seen before and I've never seen since in sports. Not quite to that level, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1984, Roger Clemens wins his first Major League Baseball game for the Boston Red Sox. They beat the Twins by a final of 5-4. to four. Uh, We talked about the Hall of Fame, so we mentioned Clemens' possibility for 2021. Houston Rockets in 1995, this was part of, of really what they were known for, is being down and coming back. And, and Rudy Tomjanovich, as I said a couple of days ago, made his speech. But they were down 3-1 to one in their series to the Suns and Charles Barkley. And they end up winning the NBA West title. They had some huge shots. Mario Eli with a big shot in this game. Kenny Smith had some huge shots also. Um, you know, Houston didn't have it easy, but they made the most of it. And for all the credit that Elijah Wan gets and should get, there were a lot, they had a lot of role players on those teams that did very well. Sam Cassell being one of them, too. Yeah, I don't think they recovered from losing to the Bulls in the finals. I think there was just something mentally there because I think they had a good enough team to compete, and there's just something about that Michael Jordan gets in your head there. And they get to the playoffs the next year again because they're a very good team, obviously with Barkley and Marley and all those guys. But uh, unfortunately, they just uh, couldn't close the deal. And Olajuwon, one of the great players, and if there was no Jordan, maybe Olajuwon is the player of that generation when we all sit back and and think about it again. So um, he was just he was a very easy player to watch too, very smooth athlete, a great jump shot, and a guy who was just you know in an era where there were some big guys who were more physical big guys. He was physical enough. But he seemed to play the game with an effervescence that you don't see a whole lot of centers play with. He almost played center like a small forward at times. It was fun to watch. All right. And finally, and listen, we, we forget because the NBA has been out of sight, out of mind. And the Raptors essentially put an end last year to the Warriors run. But last year, the Warriors won their Western Conference championship, as they've done, and got to the NBA Finals a fifth straight time. I mean, that is just remarkable when you think about it and again they didn't win every single year in the finals uh, LeBron got him once Toronto got him once but the Warriors did have one of those epic runs in the NBA it's over absolutely now. but it is they they get to give them the credit I mean they they went through it for a while yeah it also helps when you have you know five of the best players in the NBA on the same team I mean it's just not something that used to be and when you were able to do that and I give them all the credit in the world I mean they create an atmosphere where it's like hey Come play here. You're going to win a championship. And for guys who are trying to do it on their own, who couldn't get that second guy with them, made a lot of sense. I mean, the standard but, got but set. Who, who, are, was... who were the five guys that they added to win a championship? Well, they added Durant later. I mean, that was an original guy. Well, but I'm right. saying is they, they've done a good job. I don't – did they draft all of them? I want to say there was a trade in Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. They were all drafted by the Warriors? Again, Steph I'm not – as far as I, I know, know, Steph Curry was. I'm the guy. Brett Levy has to help us out on that one. I thought yeah. one of them was acquired in a no. trade. I thought no, they they were all home. They did draft all of them. Well, then good good for them that they were able to do that. An incredible thing that they can keep them together for that amount of time too, where everybody wants to get paid. Uh, Iguodala, that was the other guy I was thinking of. Thank you very much. I knew there was another guy on that team who was pretty damn good <laughs> that he was acquired at some point. But look, 
you know, this is what happens when you have a, you know, five guys on a team, you are able to dominate, especially if you have one of the best shooters in basketball on that team in an era where pulling up and shooting jump shots is the easiest way to win games. And that's what happens. All right. This day in fantasy sports birthdays for the 20th of May, we'll start off with uh, not a banner day for birthdays, by the way. So if I missed your birthday out there, let me know so we can include it next May. Bobby Mercer, born in 1946, a longtime broadcaster for the Yankees, really good player for the Yankees as well. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, 1963, David Boomer Wells was born of the perfect game fame, of course, and good pitcher with the Yankees, Toronto Blue Jays as well. Uh, Tony Stewart, one of the best NASCAR drivers in the history of the sport. And uh, Jason Worth, yeah, I mean, that's who we got today. Jason Worth. <laughs> Born in 1979, Jason Worth, a really underrated player until he got that massive contract that he got from Philadelphia and then, of course, ended up closing out with Washington. I mean, Worth was a, a player in fantasy that if you're playing in a league with a five outfielders and you had him as your third guy, you felt pretty good about it. Well, him. he got the massive contract from Washington. That's where he got the massive contract. You remember? It was Washington then. From yeah, Washington. he got the massive. And that was the signal that they were going to be players in the market. And this was then, you know, started to draft the Bryce Harpers of the world and the uh, Steven Strasburg's of the world and brought in guys like Max Scherzer and uh, drafted Anthony Rendon. And all of a sudden they did become a team. But they Jason Worth, they overpaid for to prove to everybody that this was a place that was on the rise. And at the time they got kind of scoffed at and laughed at because Jason Worth, it was a nice player, but he was getting franchise player money. But in the end, Washington became a very relevant franchise for the next decade and it all kind of started, you could say, with the Worth signing that all of a sudden it became a team that people said, OK, this team is going to spend. This team is serious. And this team has been bad long enough that they've cashed in on some of these number one draft picks they had. I mean, to think that they had Harper and Strasburg back to back years of draft picks is pretty damn good. <laughs> that's that's not blowing the that's number one overall teams pick. tank in baseball for those sort of things. That's why you can kind of understand is why the Orioles are going to lose 100 this year. Well whatever it is they'll lose this year and then 100 when they have a full season too mm -hmm. but that's part of it you gotta you gotta build and you gotta build through the draft and it seems to be working now more than ever teams scout well they identify well and uh, and those top baseball picks are, are working out a lot the first few picks in every single draft the last few years take a look at how the results have been okay uh we'll take a quick time out here on fantasy sports today we got plenty more to come which would include a season in baseball review so we're going to do that next also, a little bit later in the show, we'll take a look at a couple of odds in the NFL, specifically who will win the coach of the year in 2020, and how does the FanDuel Sportsbook see those odds as well? Joe and I will tackle that and a whole lot more. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid, and we'll be back in just two minutes right here on SportsGrid, sportsgrid.com. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back. I know baseball fans out there want baseball back, and we want fantasy baseball back. And hopefully in the coming weeks, or really hopefully in the coming days, to be honest with you, we're going to get some good news regarding baseball. I don't know how much longer this can go on without some sort of definitive 
note on spring training. But here we are on the 20th of May and not quite 100% clear just yet. So we thought we would go back to a season in history. And today, Joe, we're going to dive back into the 1990 Major League Baseball season as at a time where basically baseball kind of still felt like the 80s, really the 90s, because I held these uh, fantasy drafts uh, last month where we drafted the decades. Really, the, the 90s sort of continued the 80s mojo until about 93, 94, 95. Then all of a sudden, you started to see some of the big power come in. But it was few and far between. A lot of stolen bases, a lot of pitchers going deep into games. It kind of looked like the 80s a lot to me. Well, you had a lot of power speed guys around this time. I remember Howard Johnson, Daryl Strawberry having uh, 30-30 seasons. You have the Canseco at the very end of the 80s going 40-40. So there was a lot of that going around, but you're right. The epic power numbers really started in 1994 before the strike. And then when we came back from the strike, they really continued with a vengeance. So there's kind of that 1994 dividing line right there. Because you remember at the All-Star break that year, Matt Williams was chasing 60 home runs. He had a legitimate shot at it. Tony Gwynn had a legit shot at hitting 400 that year. I think it was 380 something. If memory serves at the break, he was in some ridiculous number there. Uh, But this season this 30 years ago. It's 1990. And we were talking about a lockout NBA season. So I thought, how about today? We talk about a lockout baseball season, a season that started late, a season that I think is very relevant now. And Who remembers that in February 1990, Major League Baseball lockout began and it lasted 32 days. And it turned out that spring training got pushed back and opening day ended up going to April 9th instead. So that was something that I even had a a little bit of a, oh, yeah, moment about. Yeah, 1990 had a lockout. Yeah, there was. And it went a little bit later. Uh, Some notable things this first year in 1990. uh, April 15th was the debut of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. So 30 years later... It's still there. The names might have changed broadcasting the game, but look at that. This was the debut of that. Also, it was a magical year for no hitters. We had Nolan Ryan throwing his sixth no hitter uh, against the Oakland A's, striking out Ricky Henderson, I believe, if memory serves. Or is that the 5,000 strikeout? I always get that confused. I guess that was the 5,000 strikeout or the no hitter. Do you recall? No. I can't remember. I know Ricky was a strikeout for one of those. <laughs> Off the top teams. of my head, no. I, don't I just know. I just remember seeing Ricky and then Nolan Ryan with the hands in the air. So I can't remember if it was the end of the game or the 5,000 strikeout. But also for the first time in Major League history, two no-hitters were thrown in the same day. And this I remember quite vividly. Dave Stewart of the A's, a five-month no-hitter yes. against That's the Blue man. Jays at the Sky Dome. And then uh, a few hours later, Fernando Valenzuela no-hits the Cardinals in Dodger Stadium. You also had Andy Hawkins that year, if you recall this crazy game, throwing a no-hitter and losing in extra innings in Comiskey Park to the White Sox. Doesn't get any wilder than that. I thought he pitched a short game no-hitter. I don't know. I, I'm confused. No, this was actually uh, it was actually the opposite. It actually went wow. uh, extended there. Uh, September 2nd, after coming close numerous times, Dave Steeb also, and he came so close so many times, Finally got his no-hitter. I remember as a kid watching Dave Steve a couple times go to like eight and two-thirds or eight and a third and losing, and I just felt so bad for the guy. It just felt terrible. But on this day, he finally got one. Also, how about Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr.? It was the start where the two of them together against the Royals for the first time that a father and son ever got to play together in a major league game. So how about how about the incredible talent of Ken Griffey Jr. and the longevity of Ken Griffey Sr.? How about that? Well, you know, that does beg the question, is that something that we'll ever see again hmm. in sports? I know we saw it with Tim Raines and Tim Raines' son. Um, I, I know that the two players that have said they want to do it, 
I mean, one is, I think, unrealistic. And one, I, I don't know, maybe has a shot. And, you know, Frank Gore, his son goes to Mississippi. And if Frank Gore was to play two more years in the NFL, which, I mean, at this point, could you rule it out? I mean, I can't no. rule it out. Oh, Southern Miss, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But I got to tell you, LeBron James's son is two years away, right, from graduating high school. Am I right with, about that, Brett? I think so. And then, Look, it, you know, I, I think I think if he gets to the NBA, I, mean, I think there's a really good shot that that happens. Three it's, draft. It's possible. The trouble is, the athletes now make so much money. How many do want to hang on until they're forty something, and how many well, of LeBron, their kids? For his son, come on, man. Of his son, perhaps. Uh, this was the year, also in 1990. That Ricky Henderson got his MVP. Ricky Henderson stole 65 bases that year, hit 28 home runs, drove in uh, a fair amount, but also scored 119 with a 430 on base. And when you let Ricky Henderson get on base at a 430 clip, bad things are going to happen. Let me just tell you, that is not the way you want to start off. And this was part of that run for the Oakland A's where they you know, lost in 88, won in 89, made it back in 1990. But unfortunately... For them, they lost in 1990 in the World Series to those upstart Cincinnati Reds and the nasty boys bullpen of Dibble, Charlton, and Randy Myers. My personal favorite, Randy Myers. I'm still mad that the Mets traded him for John Franco. Never a big fan of Franco. I liked Randy Myers. He seemed like he was crazy. He had all these weird hunting Very gear. And he crazy. wore camouflage. And Very. he was just a character. Did you have a favorite or least favorite nasty boy? Um, No, not really. I mean, they were all... They had their own thing. Um, I remember, okay, so the, the All-Star game was in Cincinnati a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I went, and they brought them all back ah. for just, like, All-Star stuff. And Randy Myers is a piece of work. Oh, he's nuts. He's probably wearing, no like, some question. weird camouflage jacket or something. He was. He, yeah. It just, like, in at uh, I think we went to a party, and at night he was. Like, he's really identifiable because he's wearing a camouflage hat and sweater. <laughs> Which is know? funny. It's the irony of wearing camouflage out in public is you stand out. So I don't know what that's all about. It's just, he just likes point. it. That's just what he does. Yeah, he, he is a tough guy. Randy he Myers. is, and I like that. And John Franco, eh, I know he was homegrown in terms of he's a Brooklyn kid and all that stuff. I worked out for the Mets, though. I don't know. I have suffered through a lot of John Franco blown saves in my life. Uh, well not as that. bad as Armando Benitez. He saved a lot of games. Let's put it this way. He blew a lot of big ones. You know what I mean? Like the mm -hmm. Trevor Hoffman of the world kind of thing where they save a lot. But did he save the right ones? Did he save the ones that really mattered at the end of the day and the big push came to shove? The answer was no. When push came to shove for this guy, he went out. He left the Toronto Blue Jays and came back a few years later from Japan and came back with a vengeance. It was Cecil Fielder and the incredible pursuit of 50 home runs, which he did get. He got 51 that year. And I remember watching this going, oh, my God, 50 home runs. Little did I know we'd be talking about 70 at one point. But Cecil Fielder's run for 51 was certainly something that kind of captured everybody, I remember, that fall. Yeah, he was a, a very, very well-liked guy and a great Tiger and he held that legacy as being like this jolly, fun guy for a long time until his son basically said that his dad was no good and they had no relationship for a long time. Um, so, I mean, I had a chance to interview him a few times and he seemed nice enough, but there was a very big strain in their relationship, Cecil Fielder and Prince Fielder, for sure. I don't want to play Fielder. cats in the cradle over this segment. Can we not do that? I just I don't I don't think we can handle Cecil that. Fielder, big home run. <laughs> there you go.
Well, just because he was nice to other people doesn't make him a good father, but we can only judge him if you had good interactions with Cecil. Good for you. Also, something you might never see again in baseball. I'll talk about things that they're going to stand for a while. How about Bob Welsh winning 27 games for the A's that year? 27. And it wasn't making 40-something starts. It was still four-man rotations then, but they still. They had a great offense. They did have a great offense, but Bob Welsh was incredible that year as well. Him and Dave Stewart at the top of that A's rotation. It is amazing to think of. Was he incredible, though? Uh, he was incredible that year. He was very good that year, statistically. Uh, I will pull. They had a great the- offense, and they had the best year in the history of baseball for a reliever. I don't know. I'm not uh, saying that he didn't deserve to win 20 games, but he was helpful. 27. 27. Look, That's you're what right. I'm it's saying certainly- is that he wins 20 no matter what anyway, but to get to 27, you have to have a lot of luck on your side, and he did. All right. Uh, let's also talk about uh, some of the leaders that year uh, before we get to some more fun stuff. George Brett won the batting title in the American League with 329. Willie McGee, 335. We mentioned Cecil Fielder, but the National League leader in home runs was Ryan Sandberg, 40 home runs for a second baseman. That's not something you saw very often in that era. Right. Yeah, the infielders were all light hitting, and Sandberg is the reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. He changed that. All right. We've also got uh, Cecil Fielder, obviously, leading in RBIs, 132. And Matt Williams, who I think doesn't get enough credit of how good of a player he was. He kind of got overshadowed by Barry Bonds. Will Clark was a, a big personality. But Matt Williams on those Giants teams was a really good player. And then ERA, Roger Clemens, a 1.93. And Danny Darwin, of all people, a 2-2-1. Who would have thought old man Danny Darwin still doing it in 1990? I mean, that guy looked old in the early 80s. Right, well, that was the point. In 776, he looked old, I think. <laughs> Uh, continuing on here, uh, Nolan Ryan led the league in strikeouts. No surprise there. Only 232 is kind of low, but David Cohn in the National League with 233. Bobby Thigpen that year was the first guy in forever to save 50 games and broke the or set a new record at the time for 57. Uh, I want to say it was Eric Gagne who ended up breaking that years later, if I correct? Yeah, Eric Gagne has that record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, some other fun notes of 1990. This was also the beginning of some more expansion because in December of 18... Uh, December 18th, excuse me, of 1990, the National League announced the six finalists for the cities of the two expansion clubs. And that was, at the time, Buffalo, Denver, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, St. Petersburg, and Washington, D.C. When you look back on it, D.C. did get their team a little bit later. Uh, but right. Buffalo, no baseball team in Buffalo. So there you for have it. reason, I think, too. No offense, Buffalo- mm-hmm. Buffalonians. What Buffalo- do they call people from Buffalo? <laughs> well, you, you, you got the Florida Marlins and you got the Colorado Rockies in 93, right. just a couple years later, and then eventually Washington as well. So in the end, I guess you could say it all worked out. And look, Tampa got their team, too. So baseball kind of had its sights. I'll give, you, I'll give you $100 if you could tell me the first pick by the Rockies and Marlins. David Need. And the, and the Marlins. Ooh, the Marlins one is tougher. But I'm right about David Need, aren't I? You got it. You get 50 bucks. Okay, I get 50. Yes! Uh, you you heard him, Brett. I get 50. Um, first pick by the Marlins. This is a much tougher one. Can I get a position or no hints at all? You'll never think, have heard of this guy. I mean, the uh, fact that you've heard of Need is impressive, but... I just remember him being the first guy. Um, I don't know. I just remember guys like Brian Harvey, but I don't think that's my answer, but I know it's no, wrong. Nigel Wilson? Oh, Nigel Wilson, yes. Yes, okay, yeah. I actually did know who that was, so... Again, I am proving now they have a rule five draft where these guys would go. But that was kind of sort of (laughs) it was exciting. I remember that expansion draft and the guys who were not protected. That was super cool, man. I'd love to see baseball have something like that happen every year. There was like a weird, you know, rule five. The rule five draft. Yeah, but it's not of major league talent. 
Not a what major league. It's, it's it's guys that that have to go to the major leagues. The second right. they get taken but, in that draft. But the difference with this expansion draft was these were guys who were on big league rosters. But they were very bad. Off. They were not good players. That's the most point. of the time. Same yeah. thing as Rule Five. The first couple of years for the Rockies and Marlins were rocky. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, they weren't good. But yeah, the Rule Five draft now. Whoever you take in the Rule Five has to be on the big league uh, roster. Next year. Josh Hamilton was a Rule Five draft pick at one point. Remember. Dan Ugla was a Rule 5. Justin right. Moore was a Rule 5 guy. Juan Santana is a Rule 5 draft pick. That's true, too. All right, we'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away, Joe, and I'll be right back in just two minutes. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back with you here as things start to open up. Joe mentioned yesterday on the show that he was hoping to go on a vacation to the Orlando area, which is, of course, where Universal Studios is and uh, and Disney World is and all those places that I have been, I mean, a hundred times. Like, I would say from the point she was born until she was about 10, we went at least 10 times. I mean, at a minimum of 10. We went with, it was just like, an amazing time every time we went. Uh, took my son a few times also, but it had worn off on us, and we didn't go as much. But the one thing that I wanted to give you a heads up, Joe, is that if you decide to go starting uh, next week, mm-hmm. that Disney is, is letting everybody know that you're going to have to sign a waiver, uh, which basically waives any rights for you to sue them if you get sick <laughs> at all from going there, yeah. eating the food, going to the dining places, and so if you ever had any thought of that, Disney's got you covered basically saying, uh, forget it. You got no yeah. shot. I just want to let you know in that, uh, that trip is looking unlikely. It looks like a reschedule. And it's a lot easier, you know. It, those are super expensive places. Disney is Disney's absurd. It is insane. But Disney but you know is absurd. There, there are ways like a, that a people second don't mortgage know. on your house. There are ways to do it that you could you could negotiate some of the pricing. I, we, really? we the last few times we figured out how to do it. Well, look, when you're not paying twenty five hundred dollars just to fly there in the first place, that's a good point. Yeah. That's the big difference. I mean, that that's the big thing. When you're in New Jersey, New York, and you fly down, you're already spending Fair a couple grand just to fly down. Whereas I would be okay with, you know, I, I am okay with going spending whatever amount of money it is for a couple of days with my kids because you don't get that time back. Like I said, it's just kind of a, a bummer for everybody on different levels. But, you know, you have to have perspective about these things. But I haven't canceled it officially yet. The trip was scheduled for the end of June. But at the same time, it's probably an unlikely scenario that we end up going, which is sad. I feel I feel bad for them. They missed out on a vacation with their mom. They're missing out on a vacation with me. They couldn't go to wrestling for my daughter's birthday. I got her tickets in February. That got pushed off not once but twice. So I don't think that show is going to happen. Maybe it'll get pushed to Christmas time, which is fine. But we always go to that one anyway. So the good news is the Pisa Pia pool opened yesterday. So that is a good piece of news. You're back in. We're back in. It is, uh, let's see, it is 64 degrees outside. Probably not pool weather for at least a few more weeks. But uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for a heat wave. 
because that will take a little bit of the disappointment away because kids are very resilient that way. They go, you know, it's like, oh, hey, they got the pool. They got their friends. It's OK. You can go in there and, you know, just kind of hang out. And the novelty of the pool will be good for at least two months. And then in August, they'll start to get ever so slightly sick of it. And then in September, cry and want it not closed ever. So that's that's the cycle of the pool. Well, at least for now, you have something to to look forward to. Absolutely. Well, we do. I mean, gosh, don't we? We need something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to getting the black book out. That I'm looking forward to. That will be a huge weight off of me. I know mentally and also physically getting that that beast off. And uh, so, if you're looking for NFL coverage, June first. I know Craig is not looking for. NFL I am not. But if you are, you can go out there to Amazon and go pick it up there on June 1st. We've got a phenomenal group. I highly recommend buying it. It's just – Your it's, friend – I'll, I'll an, take a look at it in August. Your – buy it. I send you a copy. Let's not pretend like you don't get the – by the way, did you ever crack open the baseball one? I did, of course. What do you mean? I'm just – I was checking on you, seeing what you think of the product. I, I, That's, the second I got it, I looked at it. Now, nice. did I employ any of it? No, I didn't have any drafts. Uh, you know? I, I do have a question for you. Uh, I, I know uh, Bernie, friend of the show, Bernie Pleskoff, who we've had on the show, uh, he asked me to send him a copy. I did. He uh, he said that he wanted one. He said he was going to do a social media post about it and stuff like that. So I sent him the free copy. And it's becoming a Curb Your Enthusiasm thing. I uh, never heard. I never saw a social well, media post. Didn't I mean, see he probably forgot. You got to remind Bernie. I, I don't I know, but I want to be a jerk about Listen, it. Like, hey, you got to love Bernie. free book I sent you? Winter Listen, at the winter meetings, Bernie will be mad at me for telling the story, but I don't care. I'll tell it anyway. At the winter meetings, we did the show. He's uh, he's frantic on the last day because he's got to fly out and somehow dropped his phone in the toilet. I got gotcha. you. I have, I have a better perspective here don't, on all that. Don't hold it well, against Bernie. In Bob. all fairness, too, he also messaged me several times saying it's uh, it, that it didn't come. And I said, no, no, it got delivered. I have a picture here from Amazon with it in front of your house. And Again, uh, I, somebody put it, I guess, uh, his wife or somebody tucked or somebody, somebody tucked it underneath something else. And a it was there. Story. I'm not a, li a likely story. But anyway, the Black Book crew this year, quite good. Adam Ronis, your friend and mine, one Never of the best heard. in the business. Uh, new to fantasy sports. <laughs> uh, Elliot Christ is part of the team this year. We have got Nate Hamilton, Derek Brown. Uh, we've got Scott Bogman doing the IDP section, all the rookie section. He's Mr. College Football, so nobody's got better dynasty stuff than him. Uh, we've also got Kate Magic, our first female writer in the Black Book, so very excited to have her on board. She's doing the tight end profiles. Uh, we've got Mike Randall from the Action Network. He's going to be doing uh, all the wagering best uh, bet practices in there. We also have Billy Wasowski doing NFBC, so we're going to have NFBC coverage and preparation, not from some, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. This is one of the great winners in NFBC history, and we got him to do a section for the Black Book for people who want to start dabbling in some higher stakes leagues because that has become a huge thing. You and I both know uh, for our friends in the industry that uh, NFBC and NFFC have become huge things. So NFFC is really taken off and obviously uh, a lot of people want to try and sometimes get intimidated. And I think it's important for people to realize, Craig, that it's okay to play high stakes leagues. If you're dominating okay to your play home, them, by the way, online, I don't, I, I hope right. that the people aren't planning on flying to go to a, well, I think that, and that's the thing they are going to play them. And it's so easy to play them online now, but of I think if you're are, somebody, they're like, but some, some of these people are like hell bent about doing this stuff. In well, person, like they like the events. They see their, it's a, you know, it's a community just like everything else, but it's a community, but also who, who is somebody to judge 
uh, whether somebody or not should want to get on a plane and oh, draft absolutely. because you hey, have a draft. And that we, sort of stuff was did going we on. not have that conversation in Tout Wars weekend? And finally, it was embarrassing. The right, it was the embarrassing. Right no, nobody should weigh in on somebody else, how they feel. I and agree. by the way, how, how do they feel right now? They look pretty stupid they saying do. that it wasn't going to be a big deal. And if you recall, I was one of those people pushing very hard for it to be remote because it could be. Because why would we want to risk I would want to risk any of our good people. And again, these were people not making money to do this draft. These were people paying to do this draft, right? To be involved in this this thing. And and why? Because I don't even know who I have. I don't even remember. Well, we'll refresh your we're memory. Gonna, we're, eventually, we are going to get to that. If, but... if it's relevant. We can't do that now. I thought baseball was going in a good direction. Now you've depressed. I did too. I, I thought that it, I thought the next few days we would be right back into the the baseball content as well. Now I'm not sure. I'm just yeah. I'm you've just, you've I'm, completely I'm, depressed me there, and that's why I'm pivoting to football. Because I don't know. I, I have to ask the right questions, want, and then when I ask the questions, it, it's not about me pushing for a fake response. I'm trying to get what's really going on. I, I look. I, I think everyone's optimistic. It's just there there are still some really. I, I'll tell you what I think happened is that that memo that went out that outlined all of the ways that they're planning on implementing things that have to be done as per the CDC make it almost impossible to play. I mean, that, that it was really tough, uh, I know, for a lot of the players reading that, just saying, like, we can't do this, we can't do that. I mean, and so, no, it's just, I, it's, I, it, as much as it is about money, it's like, man, some of this is just, it just doesn't seem realistic. So you're telling me if if tomorrow they said, we'll pay you your regulars, whatever you want, we'll do it, their concerns all of a sudden that magically disappear? No, I think that those are still going to be concerns. Even I think the pay is like secondary. I yeah. I hope that the pay is secondary. I think I it is. It's I mean, the pay, the pay has to happen before they fix, well... First of all, they, they give them the idea as to what they want to do and implement it, but there's no point of implementing anything unless you have an agreement. So they're going to come to this financial agreement, I believe, and then they're going to tackle the idea as to how this is all going to happen. And I'm not sure that they will. I'm not. I mean, I've gone back and forth with this so many times. I, I, they're definitely going to play. They're definitely not going to play. And and again, the NFL is well, the only thing. About. Speaking of back and forth, did you see the Twitter back and forth between Devontae Parker and Mike Thomas? Because Michael Thomas and Mr. Parker had a little funny exchange, and I kind of like when the players go at each other. It's, 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 I don't know, it, it happens more often than you used to, but I think this is one of the better exchanges. I don't know if you got to see any of this at all, but this was pretty entertaining I did. stuff. I'm going back and forth at each other. Tell us more, Joe. Well, I mean, you know, we have, first of all, uh, <clears throat> Michael Thomas saying, uh, for you, yes. Go run some numbers. Then you could talk that I lapped you and been in the league longer than me in the first round. Uh, Devontae Parker says, uh, got some hard feelings there, brother. Let me get targeted 300 times a game. Okay, he's got a good point there. Does he have a point about, you know, if Devontae Parker got targeted as much that he could be, uh, I don't want to say as good as Michael Thomas, but he could he be an elite wide receiver? He has played with, what, nine quarterbacks in five years? <laughs> True. <laughs> And I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'm pretty sure that's the number. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen, it may as well be. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, these these sort of things are interesting because it just shows how competitive these guys are. Well, um, I've never been a huge Parker guy, but I mean, last he did year have a great was, season last year. <laughs> it's undeniable. It's undeniable the kind of year that and may, and look, maybe it just took him a few years. It's it's certainly possible. Uh, wouldn't double down on that this year, but look. Um, you know, maybe maybe with Fitzpatrick, he had that mojo going. So, well, I think you know, Tannehill obviously wasn't able to make the most of Parker, but Parker also, you know, let's be honest and let's call it what it is. 
he had these injury issues. He had some problems getting on the field at times. He was always, um, on the field, always hurt. Yeah. yeah. And, and nobody is Michael Thomas right now. I mean, Michael Thomas is coming off a 1700 yard season. And I think it's great that Devonte Parker is confident enough in his abilities. Yeah, That's absolutely. cool. I agree. But I wouldn't get into a, a pissing match with the best wide receiver in football right now. And clearly that's Michael Thomas. I mean, you could say DeAndre Hopkins and Julio were in that conversation, maybe Adams too. But statistically speaking, at least like we talked about yesterday, Michael Thomas was a, a candidate at least for MVP in my mind, because when Breeze went down, he had some enormous games, not that a wide receiver is ever going to win, but uh, do you like uh, do you like the athletes getting into it on social media? Uh, it doesn't bother me. It's, yeah. it's fine. And look, and everyone's bored right now, so I got no problem with it. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you're if you're a PR department for a team, are you telling everybody, hey, look? Oh, I'm sure they get notified now. Like, hey, cool it. But I I don't think that there's a lot. Or of hey, the, don't the only go one. Anyone. <laughs> look, there have been a lot of players who have done harm to themselves for sure. But there's only one that's on the mountain um, ahead of all of them in, in terms of that. And no one else comes close. No. And that's Antonio Brown. By the way, did you see Antonio Brown's tweet earlier in the week, too, about the— I, I stopped paying attention. We've had more Super—man, think about it. We've had 45 presidents and 50 Super Bowls. We've had, I mean, we've had more Super Bowls than president than uh, the Super Bowls been around longer than— and it has been around long enough than the United States. <laughs> Or than our government. It was some paraphrasing. Brown, having a good time in quarantine. I'm paraphrasing, but I never know with him. Like, I never know if he's just doing it to get us or if he's just... Because yeah. I think there's times where... No, he's never doing it to get us, Joe, anymore. Move never? Away. Not ever? No. No. Okay. No. I know that that was a thought last year, but you could completely... There was. I did. I you thought could eliminate that from your... From your I thought mind. he was an evil genius. It turned he out he was just evil. He did get out. He did get to New England, though. He did yeah, work he did that great. out, but... Yeah, good didn't work out. All right, uh, we'll take a quick timeout for the end of the hour break. We got another hour to go here on the show. Hopefully, you guys will continue. If you're on demand and you're watching our show on YouTube, don't do anything because the next hour of our show will play. If you're watching live anywhere where you're watching live, stay tuned. Joe and I will be right back after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.